Hello, listeners. This is Brian Craig of Rando Advisors. Welcome to the inaugural Breach Boys podcast. Today, we will be discussing the latest in cybersecurity news and how it relates to your business. Our hosts today are Michael Morano of Rando Advisors and Mark Gonzalez of Site2. We will be discussing the alleged super microcomputer hardware hack, the Google Plus data breach, and Hurricane Michael, the latest hurricane predicted to make landfall near the Florida Panhandle as a Category 3 hurricane. The Breach Boys is sponsored by Rano Advisors. Rano Advisors offers security consulting and virtual CISO services. Visit Rano Advisors at www.ranoadvisors.com. We are also sponsored today by Site2. You can learn about Site2's red team and blue team services for cybersecurity at www.site2.com. That's www.site2.com. So let's take a step back and uh, take this opportunity to welcome in our audience and welcome them to the inaugural edition of the Breach Boys podcast. My name is Mark Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Morano. Hey, everybody. I'm happy to be part of the Breach Boys. Happy to be able to bring you this insightful information, give my own commentary, add my own little bits of advice, and probably curse a lot over the next few minutes. But <laughs> listen, if, if, if you've been breached, if you've been hacked, and you're one of the 500,000 plus people who were part of this Google Plus breach in the last few days that became public. I'm sure you're cursing too. So, you know, get the kids out of the room. I'll put your earbuds in. Well, that's why we have our. <laughs> that's why we have our producer in house, Brian Crago, who's going to be uh, keeping us on track, keeping us on topic, keeping us relevant. You want to say hi there, Brian? Hey guys, welcome to the uh, inaugural. Breach Boys podcast. Look forward to discussing the latest topics in cybersecurity over the next 15 to 20 minutes. Welcome. Excellent. So for all our first-time listeners, Mike and I are here, as Mike mentioned, to help bestow some of our experience in cybersecurity and compliance. We've been doing this for a long time, and we think that we have some value to offer to those of you that are out there facing these daunting challenges on a daily basis. Uh, it's our goal to help organizations of all sizes. We're not uh, here just to help large organizations or small organizations. We think that there's value that we can bestow on everyone. So um, at this point, one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we were topical on is making sure that everybody understands what cybersecurity is. From our experience in industry and dealing with organizations that have to deal with highly, you know, highly compliant or highly regulated uh, laws and regulations out there, there are three pillars that make up cybersecurity, and those are confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And companies are challenged on a daily basis on trying to maintain all three, because if any one of those elements falls apart, your triad or your triangle that's made up of those three pillars will fall apart, and the breach, you'll have some kind of breach or, or loss of integrity of your information, loss of confidentiality, loss of availability. We have three topical subjects that we want to touch on today. There was the supermicro breach that occurred. That was jeopardizing the integrity of data. There's the Google Plus hack that occurred. That's uh, risking confidentiality of information. And there's, of course, Hurricane Michael in the Gulf that is jeopardizing the availability of services in Florida and beyond. So, Mike, why don't you want, no, like to, you want to tackle one of those first? 
I was going to take a moment to thank the the Weather Association for naming a powerful hurricane after me. I think it was a great, great, great choice of names for a Category 2 hurricane. And if it's uh, anything like myself, it will be mayhem, destruction, and everyone should be pre- preparing as we speak. When you, think, when you think of hurricanes and you think of natural disasters, it's not something that people usually think about when they think about cybersecurity. And cybersecurity, you have to remember, it's not just technology. It's not just firewalls, antivirus. It's not just computers. When you think of information security and cybersecurity, you also have to think about possible uh, physical threats, physical threats to your data, physical threats to your information, physical threats to those crown jewels that you hold so dear, the most important things in your life. They could be anything from your family, your cash, the pot of gold that you have hidden in your house somewhere. There are things that are physical. And when you think of a pending hurricane, talk about destruction or talk about the high impact and more likelihood of of impact when you think of the physical destruction of your crown jewels. So preparing for a hurricane is something that businesses, people need to do. A disaster recovery plan for your family, understanding what your assets are, how to protect them. And in the event that you do, you are impacted by this disaster, having a meetup plan where your family should get together, safe place in your area or where you should be evacuating to. These are things that you also have to think about. What do you say about that, Mark? Well, so so here we are facing a hurricane within days. I mean, parts of Florida are going to probably get hit within the next couple of days, and it's going to go through the Carolinas again, who've already been devastated, and then it's going to kind of come out in the uh, Virginia, Maryland area. So at this late game of the of the situation, do you think that there are really things that people can do at this point or should really disaster recovery and business continuity plans have already been well tested and, and already vetted? Is there anything people could do, at, I guess, in your advice or your recommendation at this late stage of the game or, or is it at this point just hold on for dear life? Well, this is a great opportunity to review your plan. So in the event that you don't have a plan, it's a great time to put one together. There are pl- plenty of resources online from the federal government and FEMA that a family, a small business can easily do a quick lookup and do a quick checklist. Things like batteries, uh, making sure that you have your phones charged, being able to communicate with friends and family, let them know you're right. But, but even more importantly, staying in touch with your local office of emergency management. Every city, every town has one. You want to make sure that in the event that your area is impacted in a great way that you're able to stay up to date on the news and know where to go. You know, keeping in mind that sometimes the basis, the, the most basic uh, and best thing to do is just stay put, you know, stay, stay where you are, stay off the roads, let emergency vehicles and let emergency medical attention get to the people who actually need it. So staying put is, a, is something that people should start to consider if it's already past that evacuation point. Right. Yeah. And, and, and at this state, late stage of the game, I think it's one of the companies and people in general are having to face the, the reality that they're going to have to prioritize, right? They're going to have to triage. They're going to have to think about what is most critical at this point. You, you, you're a little bit late if you haven't planned properly to really take care of everything. So kind of the whole, um, you know, run book theory um, yeah. in disaster recovery planning, 
A lot of organizations have books that document their disaster recovery procedures, and they call them run books because it's literally you take this book and you run out the door with it to your disaster recovery location so that you can try and resume operations from that location. And those run books typically have procedures for at least, at a minimum, the most critical information. You may not be able to cover all bases, but you want to be able to cover emergency management procedures, maybe shelter-in-place procedures, um, as well as data recovery procedures at an alternate off off-site location. Yeah, One of the things that we uh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, definitely need a plan, and having a plan is something that everybody needs to do. And when we when we start to talk about plans a little more, a little more, you think of like the Google Plus incident, right? One of the topics of today, this this breach that happened, an incident response plan. And let's 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 chat about this one for a little bit because every company, every organization now, in addition to the disaster recovery plan and business continuity plans, right, the hurricane stuff, you also have to be prepared for that uh, cyber disaster, and that's what the incident response plan is. And here we are, we see Google, this large corporation, probably if if not one of the largest corporations in the country, in the world at this point, had a breach. They had a breach that they've known about for months, and it's only come to light this week. 500,000 plus people. So here's a great example of a large company that has a plan, but doesn't seem to be following it. And potentially now, because of some of the regulations coming out of Europe, GDPR, and the way this affects the privacy of many European citizens, in addition to Americans and citizens, citizens of the world at this point, potentially they could face a pretty steep penalty. What do you what do you have to say about incident response plans, Mark? Well, and and I think an incident response plan, just like anything else, has to be well documented. Um, you know, usually in a time of crisis, whether it be a disaster. Uh, weather-related disaster like we've talking, been talking about with Hurricane Michael or a cyber disaster, having a plan that you can go to and know what are the immediate steps and procedures that you have to follow are, are critical, whether it be preserving evidence of the breach so that you can help authorities do their uh, forensics work and discover what happened and who may be to blame, um, whether it be identifying or notifying the public relations person within an organization so that they can properly communicate to the public or to employees as well as clients what truly happened as opposed to, you know, word spreading and there being all kinds of gossip that is not true. Um, and of course, having management all on the same page so that they're communicating internally what steps are being followed to try and resolve the issue. You know, mitigating a disaster, making sure that it doesn't continue to perpetuate Getting it under control uh, before you start trying to recover is critical um, because otherwise you may be in the process of trying to recover while something is still occurring. So mitigation prior to recovery is critical. All this has to be documented, obviously, because trying to, as I mentioned, wing it is, is virtually impossible. Or it's not impossible, but doing a good job of it is impossible. Uh, one of the things that we probably should have mentioned earlier on in our podcast here is that this is October, and October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So we chose this month by design to kick off our podcast since um, we will be speaking on a regular basis about cyber, all things cybersecurity, talking about things that are topical and trying to uh, share with you what we think 
Again, this is all our, our opinion. We're not necessarily preaching what someone uh, under legal requirements uh, should have done necessarily. We're uh, applying our years of experience to reflect upon what happened, maybe what could have been done better and how they should now proceed to recover and how you as an audience can learn from that experience to improve the, the posture, the cybersecurity posture of your organization. This may also be a good time for us to thank our sponsors. The Breach Boys are proudly sponsored by Rano Advisors. You can learn more about Rano's cybersecurity consulting and virtual CISO services at ranoadvisors.com. We're also sponsored by Site2. You can learn about Site2's red team and blue team services for cybersecurity at site2.com. That's S-I-T-E, the number two, dot com. Nice. Mark, you brought up a couple of good points. And one thing I want to I want to touch upon before we move on to the next subject is all this policies and procedures, having all this documentation in place, one of the key areas of security controls is the administrative controls. And it's not as glamorous, it's not as fun as all the technical controls, it's not as fun as intrusion protection and you know, catching hackers with um, different types of, of security tools. And it's definitely not as tangible as physical security, right? There's no cameras, there's no door locks but you still need documentation. You still need policies and procedures. And a lot of times it's an administrative burden that a lot of people just tend to neglect. So policies and procedures, administrative controls are a must have for businesses, for companies of all sizes. In many cases, it's actually a requirement because of some type of regulation. You know, we call it influencers and a lot of different organizations have different types of influencers that help steer their cybersecurity programs. Uh, we work with a lot of financial companies at Rano and the SEC, FINRA, NFA, they all have cybersecurity requirements that require companies to have written information security policies and procedures to deal with incident response, to deal with technical and administrative controls and physical controls. So that way employees know what to do when there is an incident such as Google Plus. Mark, what do you think about the different regulations in place that now require companies to have administrative cybersecurity documentation and programs in place. What's your take on that? Well, I think that when we approach small to mid-sized companies, that's typically the area where they will fall short of what is required. You know, when, when we're working with organizations that are large and have experts uh, dedicated to cybersecurity, incident management, disaster recovery, they're really well regimented and have good cyber hygiene practices. They have good habits about making sure that whatever procedures and protocols are required, whether it be for compliance or just basic due diligence, that they're well documented. When you go into a small and mid-sized company that may be under the same regulations as the big uh, kids on the block, they're usually the ones that are going to shortchange those levels of detail. Those are the, you know, the types of things that often are overlooked. They might think that because they have a tool in place that's addressing uh, the issue from a technology point of view that they're covered. But the reality is, is the 
procedures and the policies around the human beings that are responsible for those tools and are responsible for uh, addressing cybersecurity, making sure that those are all well documented and addressed are a requirement. And so that's often the opportunity that we have when we're talking with customers about the need for documentation policies and procedures because they're, they're usually falling short of it. Um, and more and more regulations are coming out that are not just requiring those policies and procedures, but they're requiring the training of their employees to make sure that they're aware of them because you don't want any of your employee to basically say, yeah, it was documented somewhere, but I wasn't fully trained. I wasn't fully made aware of, of what my responsibilities yeah. were. So how can my employees expect that from me? Uh, the reality is that, you know, everyone within an organization has a certain level of security responsibility these days. Uh, it's not just the cybersecurity professionals that require the training and the expertise. Whoever's in your organization that is the least trained is ultimately going to be your weakest link. Absolutely. Got to build those human firewalls. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one one thing one thing that since we're on the topic of of administrative controls, and I, I think this ties us right into our next next topic of the day, uh, vendor management programs. Vendor management programs are an administrative control that companies need to have. Companies need to know who their third parties are and, and what their third parties do for cybersecurity as well to make sure that those programs are aligning with their own. You want to make sure that your vendors your suppliers, your consultants, your contractors, anybody who potentially has assets or, or access to those crown jewels we keep talking about. And that kind of rolls into one of our topics of today when we talk about this Chinese spy chip development that's been going on where potentially Amazon, Apple, and other companies may have a supply chain breach. And what that means is their suppliers may be putting malicious buy chips in the devices that they're using that we all use ourselves to communicate, to store our data, to send messages to each other. So vendor management control, supply chain threat, all of this stuff is real and it's happening right now. Mark, we've, we've been talking a little bit about the Chinese spy chip developments. What, what's, your, what's your take on that now? So I think it's it's a it's a problem that is not isolated to manufacturers. I mean, obviously that's a specific situation that uh, focuses on technology manufacturers, but I think it's just a reflection in general, as you said, about vendor management policies and procedures. So anytime that an organization uh, looks to select a new vendor to be part of its uh, delivery or ability to deliver products and services they should be fully vetting that vendor and ensuring that that vendor has the same policies and procedures as they themselves have. Um, so whether it be ensuring that they have disaster recovery policies and procedures, um, making sure that they have documented SLA service level agreements on how they're going to commit to del delivery of that product, what kind of user, um, user acceptance policy they might have, um, you know, how they're going to use your services or how they're going to deliver those services. Are they going to 
um, achieve a 99.9% uptime, things along those lines are all things that should be vetted ahead of time. You don't want to be caught by surprise when you bring in a new vendor and they don't have the same level of integrity, same type of quality in delivering the services that are a component of your ultimate product or service to your customers. Um, and so that's, that's regardless of the size of the organization, regardless of the industry that you're in, following good vendor management policies, not just up front, but following through perhaps on a quarterly or at least annual basis to make sure that those vendors are maintaining those. Uh, for example, in the financial services industry, if you require that a vendor have a SOC audit or a SOX audit or a HIPAA audit in, in healthcare, making sure that they're having that annual audit done as opposed to maybe the last one being five years ago when you first signed them up. All that, that's again going back to good cyber hygiene, making sure that you have those habits of checking in with your vendors on a regular basis so that they are maintaining their commitment to you. All right, so now is the time for our soon to be infamous spot of the week, the stupid human of the month. We have a story out of North Carolina where patient records were stolen out of a courier's car. As the story reads, a courier, 21-year-old woman, who stopped at a gas station to, I guess, use the uh, or buy something inside the gas station, she left her car running and unlocked and was surprised when she came out to see her car drive away. Inside her car were medical records that were locked in a suitcase, and uh, it looks like it was 133 patient records from a hematology and oncology facility in North Charleston. What do you think of that, Mike? That is downright scary when you think of who potentially has access to your information and what they're doing with it. The fact that it was in a locked suitcase while it was in our car is actually surprising. It does actually give me a little bit of hope that maybe, maybe the, there were some good intentions here. It just so happens, though, that this person left their automobile running, left it unlocked, and of course, left it unattended. And it doesn't matter if it's a car, a laptop, a smartphone. It could have been anything because any of those devices could have also held those patient records. And if you do a quick Google search, it wouldn't take you long to find out when one of those devices was lost or stolen the same way these physical records were. And I talk about this all the time. You have to remember that your crown jewels, your assets, are not just data files. They're not just electronic data files. They're also physical documents. And out there in the world, there still exist companies, businesses that are still using physical documents, and they're transporting them in the backseat of a car right now as we speak. Scary to think of it. Try, to, yeah. try, not, to, try, not, to, try not to have too many nightmares tonight while you, you think about it. Well, I'm sure that everyone listening listening will admit that they've probably made some kind of mistake in the past that they're grateful for that it never didn't turn into a breach like this. But for all of you out there that think that uh, your mistake is probably the dumbest, we have this story for you to make you feel a little better about yourself this week. So we'll be uh, back next time with the next uh, stupid human of the, well, we'll see if it's the week or the month.
Something tells me it's going to be a daily event. <laughs> This concludes the first inaugural episode of The Breach Boys. Thank you to Mark and Mike for discussing this week's latest in cybersecurity news. Thank you to our listeners, and thank you to our sponsors, Rando Advisors and Site2. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts for future episodes of The Breach Boys. Thank you, guys. Be safe out there.